Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. It's now episode number 41. You know what that means. We're so close to episode 50. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think it works like that. Oh, darn. I like to round up. We're closer to 50 than we are to 40. Don't fact check. (laughs) Fact check that. We're closer to 50 than we are 100, so I'll give you that. True. We're closer to yeah. 50 than we are zero. So. Yes, we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, this is, uh, as usual, this is Joe. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Lauren. And Nick. Wow. <laughs> Very quick on the intros today. Lauren. Nick. So deadpan, too. So deadpan. We're just really pissed off about being here right now. Really? Not really. Huh. <laughs> it just how it seems. Where's the energy? Where's oh, the my lively? gosh. Hi, guys. I'm Lauren. <laughs> We're so ready to drink some tasty beverages. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Me too. Ready. I'm ready. Yeah. You know, and uh, today we're going to do, you know, last episode, if you caught us, we were kind of recapping what we had done over the last year. So this is the first episode of the second year of secondary fermentation, episode number 41. Maybe I'll I'll mark it season two on our podcast site. Season two two begins. All right. But, you know, when we were talking about that last episode, we we said how much fun it would be to do another Style Studies episode. So that's what we've got for you today. We've got some beers. We have some uh, German beers, which is actually a little bit, you know, aptly timed because when we're, when this episode's released, Lauren and I will be at Oktoberfest in Munich. We will be there, like literally when this is released and you're listening to this, we will be there. And I'm excited. It's wild. Prost. (laughs) <laughs> so it'll be fun uh but yeah so we've got a munich dunkel we have a barling wine and we have an imperial stout so we're really going across the uh, gamut here all of them have a, a you know a little bit of a amber darker color you know we're not doing anything too crazy uh mm-hmm. sweet or or fruity this time getting a lot of malt character here yeah. It's the malt show today. It's the malt show. But it's just, it's nice because I think we ended up picking three malt forward styles that have their own unique qualities and they have their own place in, in the world of beer styles. So nice that we don't have anything overly, I guess, aggressive or hoppy or tart or, uh, you know, maybe the Imperial Stout might be a little bit strong. We'll get into that later though. So. You guys excited for Oktoberfest? Yes. yes. I know we I get a little so bit. so excited. A little I preview this weekend, though. Not hide it. Yeah, we get our local Oktoberfest first. Oh, yeah. At Winterville. Local. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and not a dog. So, you know, I always enjoy the, the local Oktoberfest. You know, one thing I wish from last year is that more people wore Lederhosen. I feel like we were the only, you know, one of the only few crews. Yeah. Speaking of which, isn't it going to be hard to pack those for. An international That's trip. what I was wondering, and we're planning on bringing only a carry-on size, like travel backpack. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say only leader hose. <laughs> the whole two <laughs> weeks, <laughs> or weekend everywhere. Half, I mean, if he doesn't pack officially, that may be the only thing he's able to fit. I only need one pair of underwear, one sock, not even a pair of socks, just one sock. <laughs> just alternate feet, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then uh, later hosen yeah. and a shirt, I guess. 
probably. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's kind of required. <laughs> and they just do laundry every night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a sink in the hotels, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. What was the thing where like people said that like airline uh, stewardesses would uh, like clean out their like clothes in the coffee makers of the no hotels where they like ball them up like either they're like stockings or whatever they'd like ball them up and put them in the coffee thing and it would run the hot water over it i don't know what that was but a long time ago i heard that and it just grossed me out that sounds disgusting i'm never making well <laughs> now we have all, all of those like pods usually so that would be not feasible yeah in the coffee pots they have nowadays <laughs> that's really disturbing nick actually. just has a disgusted look on his face yeah i'm at a loss for words absolutely appalled and disgusted i mean also pantyhose are super cheap and they're super small just buy another pair dang what if you're traveling all the time you gonna buy one new one every day i mean you can probably wear them a couple times right i don't know i don't wear pantyhose. i do not enjoy pantyhose so not a lot either yeah but anyway, we got off topic there. <laughs> yeah, so we're not just going to Oktoberfest. We are going to go first to Brussels because flights were cheaper there. Uh, so we're <laughs> going there and then we're going to take advantage and hit up some places. Hopefully get to like Cantillon and, you know, Trey Fontenaine if we could. And then we're going to make our way to Cologne to get some authentic Kolsch and get it served in the Stanges. I, I just really want that experience, the classic service style. I know. That's like the main thing he's been talking about <laughs> I just, just seems so cool and astonish. i just want it just bring it out to me um and then we are going to berlin checking out some sites there and then finally ending up in munich and going to oktoberfest so brilliant brilliant, brilliant. absolutely brilliant what a fun packed little trip you've got there yeah it'll be a busy few days but it'll be worth it i'm ready let's go now as soon as we're done recording, just yeah. peace out. At the airport. Peace Bye. out. Yeah. It might be a little early, though. Yeah, just so <laughs> just I'm smidge. waiting. Uh, but yeah, so speaking of Munich, I guess I can start us off with the style studies here. The beer that I have in front of me is a Munich Dunkel. It is from Flensburger, which is in Flensburg, Germany. This was uh, imported from Win It 2 Incorporated. <laughs> In Middleburg, no, but this is an, an imported beer. Actually, we got it from Jarvis Street Bottle Shop. No and, doubt. And this one really caught my eye because it's in a swing top bottle, you know, like the classic like girl style bottle. Uh, it's only 330 mils, though, so it's like 11 ounces. Hmm. Um, and this is, you know, nice little bottle. It's got a little seal on it. So let's uh, crack this open and we can talk a little bit more about it. Cracking a beer. See if I can crack it. Ooh. Whoa, baby. That was that was explosive. Yeah, <laughs> no joke. That was kind of cool. That was legit. Like I just popped it, and the seal like exploded out, and it exploded with beer flavor. Can I see your tiny little glass, Lauren? I need more flavor. You know what's funny is throughout the last year, year plus now actually, we've had so many different bottle types and different types of vessels. We've had you know regular beer cans, nitro beer cans, bottles. We've had now a swing top bottle. We've had corked bottles. You know what? What's next? What? What have we not? Have we ever have we done like a keg? Like I mean, I guess you don't really get a sound from pulling a 
<laughs> a glass off the cake. <laughs> we have. As we, far as like different serving we vessels. We did. We did do it. We a, tried the homebrew. With homebrew, you're Which right. was not my favorite. Yeah. We need plastic bottle beer. Yep. I was gonna say that's the only thing we have. I was done. gonna say plastic bag. I'm a little also. afraid of plastic bottle. Wait, plastic <laughs> Bo- <bags>. box beer. <laughs> yeah. How come they don't make Is that box beer? Yeah, come on. Yeah, I feel like Franzia the Franzia. Can... Yeah, you're telling me if they didn't have like a Bud Light box, like people wouldn't love that. Oh, they would. Store it in the fridge and you just like pour it. Well, I don't. I wonder how it would maintain its carbonation that way. Hmm. I guess if if the spout had some some kind of a good sealing mechanism, then. It wouldn't let any of the CO2 yeah. escape. That's probably the thing is the carbonation. You'd have a pressurized bag. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you could come up with a method to overcome that. Let's invent it. All right. Um. All right. So this beer, crystal clear, very nice looking, actually. It's uh, a, like a dark. Kind of looks like sweet tea. Sweet tea. Uh-huh. Kind of. A little dilute sweet tea. But yeah, I mean, it's just super clear. That's the first thing I noticed about it. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got... Like a, a caramel color to it, maybe mm-hmm. like a butterscotch, but it's super just see-through, transparent. A little bit of a an off-white head to kind of just a lingering wisp of foam atop the uh, the beer. A little, it clings to the side a little bit too, so it's got some legs, um, leaving a little bit of lace there. But uh, also maybe a touch effervescent. I'm not sure. Yeah, I just tasted it. It's good. It's like on the sweeter side of things. It's like a sweet. Bread, I don't know. I like it. So Ooh. I'm not sure what I was anticipating, but um, I don't hate it. <laughs> so what is what is a dunkel, Lauren? Do you know um, what does dunkel mean? I do not know. Nicholas, a dunkel. Well, we're talking here. Actually, I guess this... what's just the word? What does a word dunkel mean? Oh, I don't know. Dark, maybe. Yeah, dark. Mm-hmm. So it's a dark. Dunkels are dark loggers. There's a couple different, I mean, like, they sometimes are called European lagers, but then we have the Munich Dunkel is a very common one. Um, that's not, yeah. It means dark lager. They have a long and storied history here, so. I saw some things that said they were probably brewed in, like, the 12th century when monks came over and were, you know, starting to move into Germany and create some sell, uh, settlements. Uh, but then I saw a lot of stuff that it really formed itself as a style when Germany put in the beer purity law, the Rheinheitsgebot, which, you know, says you can only have three ingredients in beer, <laughs> water, hops, and barley. <laughs> uh, and they didn't know that yeast existed, so they didn't have that on there yet. But at that point, you know, it really restricted what could go in beer. So it only kind of took certain directions. But then these dark lagers started to really flourish and become the mainstay because in Germany, there were a lot of caves and areas that they could use for the lagering process so they were making a lot of lagers and a lot of darker lagers but yeah and so now the dunkelweizen is a a style that we've talked about i think mm. in the past where it's that that darker vice beer type of style so that's i guess from a similar standpoint it's just adding in that that darker kind of malt bill to a, a traditional style yeah and i'm not sure when that was created uh, but so like this one, you know, started in the 1500s, but it really gained popularity in the 1800s. And that was shortly after the invention of the indirect kilning method. Mm. So for making malt. So before they used to just like take malt, put it over a fire, and then that would 
dried out and get it. So they'd molt it first, you know, get it wet, let it germinate a little bit, and then they'd dry it out using direct heat. And that would often like char malts and make them smoky and burnt. But the indirect kilning method is pretty similar to like a coffee roaster where it's like indirect heat. It'll just go through it and then it allows the sugars to caramelize. So really at that point, uh, it made for like a very caramelized, darker malts without having that burnt or charred flavor. And this became Munich malt, which is pretty much mm. what they say, you know, the true mark of a, a Munich Dunkel is when it uses basically only Munich malt in the bill. So very interesting. But thinking about that, the caramelization of the sugars and everything, you can taste that straight in this beer. Absolutely. It has a pronounced sweetness to it. While not being like overly sugary or sweet mm-hmm. in that regard, it just it's toned down whereas that dark color you kind of see at baseline, like I'm gonna I'm perceiving there's gonna be some level of you know, some some roast or char to it, but definitely not the case here. It just drinks really bready and sweet. Yeah. And uh so if we look at BJCP for a Munich Dunkel, they say the overall impression is a traditionally malty brown lager from Bavaria. Deeply toasted, bready malt flavors without any roasty or burnt flavors. Smooth and rich with a restrained bitterness and a relatively dry finish that allows for drinking in quantity. Which so, I would so. say is this beer to the to a T because I mean it does like it tastes sweet, but it's not burnt, not roasty, and it does finish dry. Like it finishes, you know, you don't have like a mouth coating feel after after drinking it. Yeah, definitely a really nice full-bodied, full-flavored lager. I'm excited because I have one of these myself from Driver Street that I haven't opened yet. I know, I should have bought multiple. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because we did trivia and uh, got a gift certificate, and so it just worked out that we had enough for everybody to get one beer from the shop, and you and I got this one. We got one for Tyler. Let Tyler know that he should enjoy this one. Yeah. I think. Did Mary get two of them? Because I think, I she, think got she got one for him. One yeah. For, oh, mm-hmm. Okay. All the boys got one of the got a multi brown lager from Bavaria. Yeah. Tersh, what do you think? Do you have an appreciation for the for the dunkel? Yeah, it's pretty tasty. Um, I'm not quite sure what I was anticipating, but I think when you hear lager, you're like, hmm, maybe. But when you hear dark too, you also have a preconceived notion. But I think this kind of flips away from both of them. Yeah, so I'm a bit surprised to see that the average rating on Untapped is kind of low. It's three point three two out of twenty, almost twenty six thousand ratings. Wow, really? I'm putting this four. I think. I think it's oh, a yeah. solid four to me, at least. And it may it just is... be because it's a lager. I think lagers typically get lower. Oh yeah, ratings. for sure. People don't like people hating on lagers. Hating them lagers. But I feel like this does. It's got like a nice refined it does have like a gentle bitterness that you don't really notice but it helps dry the finish out a little bit but other than that it's just like a sweet caramely little biscuity boy now here's a question i have i hear this used a lot about you know noble hops being kind of present in in lagers a lot is that right mm-hmm. is that kind of where that slight bitterness comes from it's just from the use of the noble hops because it's kind of on top of this, you know, this this Munich malt bill. I'm wondering if that's kind of something oh, that's yeah, for kind sure. of the, the 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 aim is to use that type of you know the noble hop varieties just to to not overpower the the malt but still have some 
of that that hop oil present. Yeah, and I'm curious what what they use in this one. If they use like a Howler Tower or something like that, or yeah, something that sounds but, like something. Yeah, I mean the Noble hops are more refined. They have a little bit of what earthy, herbaly character to them. Yeah, but then a little bit stronger bitterness, and they're more to augment the malt flavor, which I think this one does nicely. I would say so. It's a good pick. Yeah. Enjoy it quite a bit. If you want to learn more about uh, Dunkles, check out the BJCP style guides. They uh, have, I think it's section 8A from Munich Dunkles. And they give a nice little uh, guideline on that. Pretty interesting to read that stuff, you know. And it, it goes way into depth, more in depth than I said with the overall overall history. But really, the big thing with this is it's its popularity back then, like when it was first known, I guess apparently like in the 1830s, 1840s, you could find this beer in every pub. They, not this specific one, but a Munich Dunkel in every single pub hmm. that you go to. So, but now they've kind of died out. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause you know, I just was in Tennessee the other weekend for wedding. I went with Jen's parents and we stopped at this brewery in Johnson city, Tennessee called Yeehaw. Actually, they've yeah. got a few few locations. They had a few good, like German styles on tap. They had a Meritzen they just released. It's one of their flagships that they can. They had a Dunkel, and I recommended that for for Jen's mom to get a flight of, as one of the options that she selected. I think she really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm pleased to hear that. You know, you can kind of encourage people to try a, a darker multi lager. And and to have it like received well, because I think she also is a fan of the Meritson. So, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of find like your niche a little bit with styles. For me, if I'm drinking a lager, I actually really like these like traditional German styles. They just have such a, a full like gamut of flavor. It's not just kind of one kind of simplified profile. It's, it's really it's a little more complex, a little more balanced. I think you get a little more of that hop character you talked about. While also getting some some caramel notes, some bread notes, where you don't typically find those in some of the American lagers that we're used to. So mm-hmm. Germans are doing it right. Yeah, they've been doing it right for a long time too. Mm-hmm. Except when they said that there's only three ingredients in beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, they're wrong there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they've since amended it. Yeah, I had to do a little plug for uh, the Yeehaw Dunkel and Yeehaw Dunkel, Johnson City, Tennessee. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. 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 So that's Dunkel. All right. What's What's next? Who's next? I guess I can go ahead. Unless LC wants to go. Oh, I don't you think I go. mentioned that the Reinhardtsko boat was in 1516. So wow. Basically, from 1516 when that purity law, yeah, it kind of flourished and then didn't gain popularity until 300 years later. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy, but I guess technology had to catch up. Who's next? Who went where? Nicholas? That would be me. Got some water in your glass. Do a quick little rinse here. Get our glasses ready for the next beer because it is going to be a little bit different. Uh, different origin, different style. I picked up a bottle of Blithering Idiot. <laughs> Blithering it. I picked up a bottle of Blithering Idiot from Weyerbacher. This is actually, I think, a pretty... 
I've seen that before. Yeah, I think, a, I think Weyerbacher has a, a really big like foot in, or a big stake in the like barley wine brewing game. What am I trying to say? <laughs> I don't know. They're they're they're, so they're, 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 they're prominent. Big, it's big barley wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're prominent in brewing barley wines. I think this one in particular is pretty pretty highly rated as far as average rating and the number of check-ins. It's a barley wine ale. 11.1% alcohol by volume. So barley wine ales, you know, it's, they've got sort of traditional origin that actually predates England, but England was when they were brewing in the, the late 1800s and early 1900s, they kind of were the first to you know, use the namesake barley wine when they're commercially labeling beer. So this was about the early 1900s or late 1800s, depending on, you ask, um, BJ, BJCP says 1872 was when it was first used as a, a commercial name for a beer style, so the barley wine ale. Um, it comes from being similar in ABV to wines. You know, you get that yeah. 11, 12% beer. You're right in the neck of woods of, of wine. So kind of where the name got its uh, origin from. And it started in England, you know, the English kind of strong ales as we call them now mm-hmm. also could be known as the English old ales of, of that time. So the difference of course, is that it's brewed with barley and not fruit. Whereas a wine is a, you know, a fruit based uh, spirit. So this is something that they have to distinguish with the barley. Something actually that was interesting to me was it could have been, you know, in the last like 10, 15 years that the U S federal government actually like mandated U S breweries to use barley wine style ale mm-hmm. and they're labeling because somebody I think picked up a barley wine and thought it was wine and then they caused a scene you know, or something like that. So. Yeah, I actually thought I heard something like that where if you get like a or had read something similar to that mm-hmm. before where like you can't it can't be barley space wine. It has to be barley wine all in one, one word. word yep. Because the distinction <laughs> like Yeah. That's nuts, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and I don't know if that's still yeah. like a, a, a mandate or a law, but I, I do know that most of the time when you're buying a barley wine in the U.S., if it's a U.S.-based brewery, it probably says barley wine ale or barley wine, barley wine style ale, something like that, instead of just barley wine. Um, often, though, if you're at a brewery and they've got one on tap, which not too many, we're going to have those on tap because they are you know, high ABV. They don't typically sell just because they're, they're heavy hitters, but... Um, that deviation aside. So, um, yeah, so they're a strong ale. Like I said, it's just like a, a wider class of beers that just have a really malt forward presence, really high ABV, uh, especially for the English barley wines. There's going to be some, some variation as far as like how they look, how they taste and how they come Deal. across and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and ABV is going to, yeah, everything's going to vary. Uh, but sort of like just standards from, BJCP for like an English style barley wine. Uh, it's going to be rich and malty. Uh, it could be fruity or maybe a little bit of hop depth, but traditionally the English barley wines are not as hoppy as American because mm. the U.S. just likes to hop everything to death. So, <laughs> um, traditionally, the English ones are just like meant to be enjoyed in the winter months. It's like a seasonal type thing. It really started being like a seasonal beer and then it was at uh, special events. They would brew it. They would cellar it for a bit because it really conditions well in the bottle or you can keg it and let it age for a year or so. It's one of those beers that just, you know, it evolves over time. So, uh, yeah, so it's really good for just sipping on 
Um, it's really high, high gravity, really strong, bitter at times. So you don't really want to count on drinking a lot of it. <laughs> Chugging it. <laughs> you're probably getting like a 10 ounce pour at a brewery if you're yeah. getting on tap. But, you know, the color could be anywhere from like a golden amber color to something dark brown even. Um, some red hues are going to be common with throughout. I haven't cracked this bottle yet, but let me go ahead and pour that and see what color we're looking at with the Blithering Idiot from Weyerbacher. Blithering Idiot. I'm going to try to be careful because I want to keep this cap. So I had to check my untap because I, I know I've had barley wines, but I'm not sure how many. Mm. I've only checked in seven different barley wines, which is kind of surprising, but kind of not surprising. Yeah, just because they're such a high-gravity option. I mean, usually places aren't having them on tap as often. Let me see what All I right. have done. Let me see your glasses, folks. So I've got mine poured. This one's a little bit darker than... Oh, yeah. I feel like we're traveling down the, we just had. the color gradient. So um, is it only ever in a, a bottle? Because I can't really ever say that I've ever had it in a can. Good question. And I think traditionally, almost 99 out of 100 times, you'll probably find it in a bottle because the intention is that you have the option to cellar it or store it and, and let it age for a little bit longer. And that really works well in a bottle. I talked to Lars, actually, when I was at Driver Street. He talked about doing this honey barley wine, I think he said. And he brewed it, kegged it, and then left it for a year. Just kind of, every once in a while, went in there and kind of like... Agitated moved, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, agitated it a little bit because uh, he talked about <laughs> the fear of having the honey like crystallize inside the keg. And I was <laughs> like, oh, that would have been yeah, disaster. Yeah. Just so, a chunk of honey in the bottom. Oh, yeah. So this one, yeah, the color on this one is... A little bit darker hue, still pretty see-through, and it's got uh, a richer caramel brown color. Yeah. Not too much red hue, but just, uh, you know, uh, kind of a burnt brown color. Yeah, and a little bit more of a robust head, a little off-white to tan color. It seems a little bit like more micro-bubbly, too. Yeah, the head's not really as prominent. Leaves a little bit of lace. The smell of this, though, completely different than the last one. This is like a toasted note. Almost a little like raisiny, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think not uncommon with a lot of barley wines is you might get some of those dried fruits. Like You can get some dates, some figs, some raisin, prune. Yeah. Typically the darker fruit side when you're getting those estuary notes, but yeah, I could definitely get some of that, like some dried fruit in there. Yeah, it smells like a raisin bread. Like, you know that, remember that loaf of like cinnamon raisin oh, yeah. bread that you'd get? No. No? You don't remember that? It came in like a purple package? I don't know. Peter Piper picked a purple package. Is that a cereal? No, no, no. It was a bread. Oh. Well, what are your thoughts, LC, on this, on your, your initial Maybe perception? a little bit like rye smell too or something. Definitely strong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I taste the alcohol mm -hmm. on the back end. Yeah, and <laughs> one thing that's also pretty poignant to me is that the mouthfeel is very like chewy and viscous. Which oh is yeah, for super sure. common. It's it's actually standard with barley wine. It's going to have that that full body. Like, I mean, you almost have to, like almost want to chew on it. It's so thick. Not um, a fan, Lauren. Yeah, um, it's a I heavy mean, hitter. It's not my favorite. It is. It, it doesn't mess around. I mean, yeah, anything at double digit ABV is going to. Probably Ooh. be sipped slowly. Good thing we're splitting a 12 ounce bottle. Yeah, not right. Um, yeah, so so far this has really been hitting all the, the marks. Um, I've really only talked about the English barley wine, but, you know, color looks there. The the malty 
kind of rich estery nature of it. It's right there. You know, sometimes you do get a little bit of toast, but it's not meant to be a really roasty malty beer. It's meant to be more of a soft malt bill with some of those other notes coming through. Um, again, you get kind of like sometimes some sherry, some wine or some port. So it kind of mm. does lend itself to the the wine family as far as character, but you know, it is distinct. It's made with barley. It's made with beer ingredients. It's got hops. Even if you can't taste the hops, they're there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, mouthfeel, the, the full bodiness of it, that kind of viscosity is going to be present all the time. And then really it's just, it varies from there. The color is so variant. And as far as SRM, it, it could be low gold, amber color to like a really dark brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the traditional, like, English barley wine. Then, of course, in the U.S., people start to adapt these traditional styles. One of the first ones in the U.S., I think actually the very first one was from Anchor Brewing. Mm. They had a barley wine that came out in 1975. It's the Old Foghorn, and it's still being made. So that's like a really, it's a flagship barley wine in the U.S. by the American Barley Wine Standards. Uh, But they were inspired by that English style, and they said, hey, we're going to change this a little bit. We're going to add some more hops to it. You get the hop character to come through a little bit. You get some more bitterness, maybe a little bit of that kind of like spice nature. Um, so follow shortly after that was actually Sierra Nevada, Bigfoot. Mm. I've had a Bigfoot barley wine, I think, just earlier this year at Sierra Nevada in Mills River. So yeah, very good, actually. I enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's you know, strong, which is pretty <laughs> common. It's bitter. It actually had a little bit of nice fruity esters, just like this one, too, but I do remember that bitterness was a lot higher than this one we're drinking here from Weyerbacher. Yeah, this one is not bitter. I think the most aggressive thing is the alcohol on the back end. It's like, yeah. it's, um, I don't know, it's very unique. Like, I can't think of another beer that I've had that's similar to this because it's like a slightly toasted but ton of like dark fruit esters and then just like booze. Yeah, the booze lingers and that's what's kind of... Mm-hmm. Like about burns, it. like almost is like numbing my tongue. Yeah. So a funny thing I read though, when I was going through some of the, the early American barley wines. So Sierra Nevada, they're known for being a really hoppy IPA yeah. friendly uh, brewery. So when they were making their first batch of Bigfoot, which is their, their flagship barley wine, they sent it off for analysis to their lab. Cause they're known for being really, Big into quality QA. assurance stuff. So they sent off a batch and uh, the lab came back and they said, uh, your barley wine's too bitter. And they said, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously they didn't change anything about the recipe. That's kind of what they went for is something that's more pronounced bitterness. So mm-hmm. they kept it like that. And, uh, you know, now we have a lot of breweries making barley wines or the barley wine style ales, as we might call them now. Um, some big distinctions, though, so that between the American barley wine and the English barley wine, uh, there's not as much variation with color in the American barley wine, which I found to be a little bit interesting. You know, it's I guess maybe the the makeup and the the ingredients used it doesn't lend itself to having that that wider mm. array of of color. So you're going to see something a little more, I guess, characteristic or uh, across the board. It'll be just a a, a more narrow track of colors. Um, but the biggest thing is the bitterness is way more common in the American barley ales or barley wine ales. So most of the time what we're drinking here is probably an American barley wine, barley wine style mm. versus the English barley wine. So you just have to kind of look into that and see 
what you're what you getting into because you yeah. might not know off the top of your head if it's one or the other. But typically, the ones that we brew here, unless it's from like a West Coast brewery, it's probably not going to be super bitter. Like this one, Weyerbacher, I think they're in the Northeast, maybe. Um, yeah, Eastman, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so you know they're not probably known for being part of the hop craze, so they didn't get too crazy with it, but. Um, yeah, so this one's really nice. I think it's definitely a smooth sipper. I kind of took a dive into, you know, other barley wines I've had. Most notably was episode 22 of the podcast. We did the mouthfeel episode yeah. for the BJCP valuation. And we had that barley wine ale from BJ's actually, which was part of that rare beer club. Oh, yeah, had. yeah. So we tasted that. Um, I thought it was interesting to look at the notes from that because from that episode, we noted it had a really strong like malt backbone, which is what this one does. It had that dark fruit, but also it, we mentioned it had like a, like a citrus, like a citra hop kind of yeah hoppy flavor there, which was interesting. This one, I don't detect no, a lot of that hop character. So, you know, and I think this is funny. This is this <clears throat> drinking this beer after the Dunkel just really highlights the, differences between an ale and a lager yeah. like in your face i mean obviously barley wine's like a screaming ale but uh you know you have like the dark subdued flavor of you know the the dunkel and then you switch over to this and you still have you know similar color you still have malt flavor but then you really just get a ton of that yeast derived fruity ester and different flavors through it's just just crazy i don't know oh yeah wild yeah and actually, there's one thing I learned that was probably one of the more interesting practices that I learned about for like traditional English brewing practices. They have a technique called party guile brewing, which guile mm-hmm. actually just comes out to mean it's an old term for like the full batch of wort that you create from a, a brewing session. So it's like part of a batch. Yeah, yeah. And so essentially what they're doing is taking one batch of wort, but they're getting different runnings from it. And you can pull off uh, something like a smaller volume of your wart, and you can split that into two, three different ways, like your total batch. So then, if you want to do something like this with like a barley wine, you're not committing the entire wart to that that, because it's hard sometimes to get through a high gravity beer like that. I mean, in that volume, if you've got a, you know, whatever your system is, oh, it just consumes so much more resources to do that. So this gives them opportunity just to pull off that wart for a smaller volume make their barley wine um, from there. And then you're, you're not having to produce as much, use as much ingredients, like you said, and then still have that wort left over to make other beers, other strong ales, other ales that are kind of, you know, English bitters, that kind of thing. And you can kind of use the most out or get the most out of your wort without having to devote an entire brew day to like one style that probably isn't going to go very far. Yeah. As far as, you know, you're not going to get, people coming in to crush like five <laughs> five of these so just, it's gonna sit Hopefully for a while not. <laughs> definitely not that not. barley wine's a, a bad style to have sitting and aging but you know oh yeah it's a little bit scary to you know to commit all the the resources into a full batch of something like this or an imperial stout or something really high gravity yeah so i thought that was really interesting to, to read about the part of guy all brewing mm-hmm. yeah that is very cool listen to here but you know it's very cool all the different brewing methods and things like decoction mashes and like that's that like wort splitting mm-hmm. technique and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, some people are still do that now. I mean, it's definitely a an advanced technique that you're not you're not going to dabble with unless you're really comfortable brewing. But yeah, 
you can definitely make the most out of it. So, mm-hmm. and now with technology too, it's a lot easier. Hey, Elsie, I've got a little bit left. If you want to, I'm good. The I'm good. She had him two sips <laughs> and then handed it to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm tapped out. Tapped out. Can't blame yeah. you. Yeah, it's a, it's a big boy. It is. Yeah, to put on your. Speaking of big boys. Don't call me fat. <laughs> <laughs> the beer I have tonight is an Imperial Stout. All right. Whose ABV is higher, yours or Nick? Uh, What was your ABV? Tell us yours. Show us yours and I'll show you his. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what was yours, like 10, 11? It's over 11. Oh, honey. Oh, yeah, that one's that one's bigger. Oh, what's that, 8 point? This one's 9.5. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, only 9.5%. It's only yeah. 9.5. It's probably better that we're not just trending upward with ABV right now because... Yeah, this one's 50%. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is... Um, I brought vodka. <laughs> no, he kind of like was questioning my decision to bring an Imperial Stout to the football game a couple weekends ago. <laughs> uh, and you know, Nothing I like was, tailgating <laughs> with a nice Imperial so Stout. So one, it was a, a noon game. Two, I'm just trying to be very efficient with my alcohol consumption. You know, just knocking it out with one fell swoop. You know, it was a beautiful you know? 95 degree day in blistering heat. Yeah. And don't worry, it was a breakfast stout. You don't have to say you're trying to be efficient, Lauren. You just like stouts. It's fine. I, I do, I do, I do. Every day is stout season. Yeah. But no, I, I love stouts and I don't think I would take one to a tailgate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was a little shocked never by that. say never. Although I, I was known for drinking mall beverages heavily at tailgates back in the day. So what do I know? Never stop, never stopping. Mm. Yeah. That taxi ride home holding a, an empty bag of Doritos. <laughs> you just want, in case you need it. Yeah, yeah, just in case. Yeah. Lessons learned. So maybe I'll just switch to Yetis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's perfect for all occasions. <laughs> then you won't need it because you'll already be dead. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was crazy. Went Can't to that, football, that football game, like we're like tailgating, and we we're hanging out with people, and we we're right next to like where all the college kids go, like where all the frats are, and it was crazy. They have like one of the local bars out there, like DJing, like bo- oh, local bar club things, and then like it was just absolute mayhem. We walked through there to get there, and I was like, "What am I doing here?" And there, like, one of the garbage cans was on fire in the middle. Like somebody must have thrown like a cigarette in there or something. And then, like, people just kept getting carted out by EMS because it was so hot and they weren't drinking any water and they were just drinking gallon jugs of neon-colored liquid that was probably 95% alcohol. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure they're making the smartest decisions on what they consumed that day. No, I don't think they did. See, they're going like Lauren's approach. just like, I'm all about efficiency, so I'm drinking a gallon of alcohol. liquid? That just <laughs> yeah. seems terrible. There was literally a guy that walked by and he was like, yeah! And he had a handle of Tito's in his hand, halfway gone. I'm like, my dude isn't just sipping on a handle of Tito's. My dude. Mm. My dude, what are you doing, man? My brother in Christ, you should not be drinking (laughs) vodka out the handle. These Gen Z kids. Yeah. Who knows? No cap, fam. It's bussin'. It's bussin'. That's not bussin'. That's not fire. No cap. I don't even know what you're saying. You know, if you were young like me, I know I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> we're losing street cred because we're dissing Lauren's time on her Yeti. I guess we'll oh, yeah. spin it back. Jeez. Spin it back, yo. Uh. <laughs> Was that supposed to be a record scratch? Yeah. Okay. 
Just wanted to did clarify it, for the audience. Did it not sound <laughs> Is it not clear? Is <laughs> it not clear? My bad. All right, walk us through what you got. We've alluded to the Yeti. Yeah, well, I have a Yeti, and I have an Imperial Stout. So how many different types of stout are there? 17.5. Oh, really? 39. Okay, like main main types. At least two. <laughs> Six. Nick is, well, now you're the closest. Five? Higher or lower? Higher. Eight. Yes. Eight. Oh, so, yeah. like, there's eight just, different just types of stouts. Um, so, like, thinking of your milk stout, dry mm-hmm. or Irish stout, oatmeal stout, porter, chocolate stout, oyster stout, which we've Ooh, done before. Yeah. Wait, are you counting porter as a stout? Yeah, that it's a technically a different type of stout. What? Yeah. Wow. What? It is. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm not arguing it. I'm just saying, what? And a mind blown here. Um, Baltic Porter, and then here's my friend, the Imperial Stout. What I find interesting, so like we talked about the Porter previously and how it kind of got its name because it rate was um, really popular with the Porters over there over yeah. in England. Um, so where do you think the Imperial Stout name came from? Uh, they brewed it for the Russians, Russian Imperial Court because they wanted to wow. impress them. Okay, cool. You got my fun fact. <laughs> I thought that was just really interesting. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Well, yeah, it's very the cool. Show off. No, no. I know. Like, All right, I, we can edit that That out was supposed to be like <laughs> no, a, a we can We can X surprise. I'm sorry. Ooh. We're just not as knowledgeable as you. Yeah, that's Joseph. why they say Russian Imperial Stout, because they did root it for the I, Russian I Imperials. Hey, don't worry. I, and they were I a little bit that. chunky, so I they were stout. I cool. <laughs> it's not common knowledge. No, it is cool. Yeah, why don't you tell us better than I said? I was kind of stumbling all of my words. That's legit the gist. Oh, okay. It was brewed by England for export to the Russian Imperial Court. Make this Russian Imperial style because I told you to. <laughs> because you told me to. Because you <laughs> My name's not Rick. Bless. Bless. I feel like I should have been, my name's not Vlad. <laughs> Who's Vlad? Uh, we're, make, we're having some SpongeBob references, Lauren. I, that's not me. So sorry. Yeah, why did you not like SpongeBob? That's it. We weren't allowed to watch it because it was like crude television. Crude? Nothing about SpongeBob was crude. I think it was rated like TVG. Yeah. Or like Y7 even. No, I don't it was, it was really anti-crude. Yeah. It was wholesome. Sure. All right, sorry. I keep interrupting yourself. Wow, yeah. Jeez. So when you think of like uh, an Imperial style, what instinctively do you think about with like the aromas? Mm, like char some like coffee chocolatey chocolatey is good like bitter bittersweet chocolate yeah roasty roasty mm-hmm. it was gonna be another caramel word. toffee sure i like it love it all right well, let's go ahead and pour some so we can uh get some aromas going here Racking up a beer. And this is, I guess, unofficially Elsie's, Elsie's pick, of the, pick week. of the week. Yes, this is. But we know what it is. But you know what it is. Because we cheated. I feel like pretty confident that even if it was a hidden selection and it was a blind testing, tasting, um, you would be able to at least sure get so. the general <laughs> style of it. Yes, so, is this a lambic? <laughs> is this a yes, framboise? It <laughs> is. Wow. It's a vice. This is a creek. Ooh, look how dark it that is. That is wow. Yeah, we've we've traversed Ooh, the scale of darkness. Though. We went from the light 
caramely colored dunkel. This looks like old. Yeah. Unintentionally, we did kind of <gasps> trend. Whoa, oh, overflow. No. no. Not on the table. All right. So now that everybody has their glass. Um, no is, spilling at all. Yeah, not spilling at all. Um, do you get those aromas? Well, first of all, I cannot see any light yeah. through this beer. It, it is like almost jet black. This beer is as black as my soul. It's not a phase. Come on, you rest in black my eyes. Come on, you rest in black my eyes. I know, that was really good. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that song at all. <laughs> Sing you cry. Okay. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so like very rich instantly. What I love about Roasted. an imperial stout is like typically you pour that and you get almost an identical appearance to shot of espresso mm. except oh, yes. the 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 crema from an espresso is a little more frothy yeah just by nature because it's not carbonated it's just well the, the, the way that the gas escapes it's funny thing yeah i just learned that the coffee beans have co2 in them yeah so and, and that's why like old beans taste bad because they don't have that carbonation mm-hmm. why is everything carbonated why do we love it <laughs> so also going back to the episode two, episode thirty nine, we talked about the CO two shortage. Yeah, just take coffee beans and just extract the just CO two from the coffee. Catch just catch the coffee. Uh, Perfect. Actually, coffee and beer go together really well, and do. I really want to open up a beer and coffee shop. They go together like R.I.P. to Olivia Newton-John. Wow, I did not get that reference. Just like Lauren didn't know SpongeBob reference. I've seen Grease once. Okay. It's actually a terrible, like, movie. Um, if you go back and watch it, like, now, to think that we watched it as young adolescents. I was like, that one really wasn't as appropriate because there's some, like, touchy topics. Um, and then things that are inferred. That's like, oh, okay. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that wasn't appropriate for middle school me. Maybe not. Oh, yeah. There are a lot. I mean, you've got, like, the whole pregnancy scare mm-hmm. uh at one point danny zuko was a legit about to like have his way with sandy oh god she like had to throw him off of her in the drive at the drive through or the drive-in movie <laughs> the drive through <laughs> can i get a cheeseburger and, uh. <laughs> and i'm also gonna try to make out this girl and feel her up um no there's a lot of elements that are just not okay yeah yeah, yeah interesting. But i really like it yeah <laughs> but anyway, it's this right, beer. what are we talking about yeah this beer <laughs> So back to the stout. Mm-hmm. So I, I've taken a few uh, swigs. Oh, yeah. yeah. So too. what are what, what are you tasting? What's on the tongue? Well, I kind of skipped the whole aroma, but aroma definitely got that roasty coffee bean smell. It's also got a bit of like that, like kind of bittersweet chocolate or dark mm-hmm. chocolate. Yeah. For sure, dude. You already kind of touched on kind of the jet black appearance. Um, yeah. So, what's on the tongue? What are you tasting? Beer. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. A little beer? sweet, but not sickeningly so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost this like was... toffee with like some some like burnt sugar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then yeah, some dark chocolate. Yeah, burnt sugar is a good characteristic for it. 
And this, I mean, this is only a 12 ounce can and I'm actually really glad that we're sharing it. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. Because. <laughs> Wait, I thought you loved to drink this in 95 I, degree heat. In a so tailgate. I do, but right now um, we've already <laughs> had a beer. Then I had a sip of another beer. And when you said after a I've already beer, eaten though, three, I'm like full. We split a. We split <laughs> we split an eleven ounce beer three ways and then a twelve ounce barley wine. So I've had like three ounces collectively. <laughs> um but I've already eaten and so like this is very filling to me. Oh yeah, this is like a dessert beer. Mm-hmm. Hey, what Lon, about the mouthfeel? What's the ABV on the Yeti? Nine point five. Nine point five plus eleven point one plus four point eight. We are averaging an 8.47 ABV. All right. So round that to 8.5 ABV across the board here. So if we just assume we've roughly drank, well, we wouldn't be 12 ounces well, each because this bottle is only 11.2. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we split it three ways, yeah. you know, we're, we're looking at about, you know, a good 11 ounces each. Yeah. So, Ooh. yeah, we're drinking like eight plus territory for. for <laughs> so this. we've equivalently so you had have food in your stomach one for beer. <laughs> We've had one 8% beer. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's not it's, bad. It's done its job. Wait, really? Yeah. Getting crunk? Ah, crunk. Gonna whatever tonight is. Friday. Friday. Oh, wait. No, it's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> this release. No, it's released on a Thursday. Mm. Mm. This is hey. good, though. I like it. I've had it, yeah. I think, before. I've had I a lot of variations. Have. Yeti has a ton of variations, too. They do. I enjoyed uh, going there. Yeah, Great Divine, Divine Brewing in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. It was a cute little place too. Cool vibes, very chill. Colorado. I liked Colorado. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, except for that person screaming at us. That random homeless person. You remember that? Yeah, that was slightly scary. Yeah, I think they were having some, you know, mental breakdown or something. Just running down the street screaming. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's interesting though, um, the fact that this is kind of like coming. After the barley wine, um, excuse me. <laughs> Interestingly enough, it's kind of in the same kind of style comparison. So they say that it's more darker and more roastier than a barley wine, but with similar alcohol, and yet slightly more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that. Yeah, but kind of still similar in style and taste. Well, I mean, if we compare it to that, which is like that English style barley wine. Um, we're getting a completely different flavor profile. Mm-hmm. You know, dark, chocolate, roasty, versus that one is more fruity ester. Mm-hmm. Less, I mean, and definitely not a hoppy example of a barley wine, but still, two malt-forward, high ABV beers with completely different flavor profiles. Oh, yeah. Yes. And we are enjoying these um in little, like, taster glasses, but... When you sit down to pour yourself an imperial stout, what kind of glasses do you typically want to use? Uh, stout glass <laughs> or a or a snifter. snifter. Yeah, so more commonly known as a a snifter. Um, I don't think we have any snifters. Um, that's the closest thing we've got, right. but yeah, it's like a goblet. Thing. Um, but so a snifter glass is a good choice because it helps enhance those aromas. Another option would be a tulip glass. Uh, because of kind of that curvy shape, it helps with the aromas and helps brighten it a bit. 
with this beer, it probably would have been better to do it in a tulip glass because we had some issues pouring with kind of an expansive <laughs> head. Um, so that would have probably been a good glass to kind of go with. Yeah. I actually have a couple small, like, taster-sized glasses that are sniffed or oh, tulipy. Uh, I should bring those over for these. Nice oh round, bold yeah. shape. Oh, so cute. I know. They're adorable. Are those similar to the ones that Local Oak has for their flights? Similar, yes. Oh. Yes, they are very similar to that. <laughs> That's cute. Don't yeah. tell them if they're missing. If Local Oak's missing two tiny glasses, I don't know where they went. Yeah. You know, I'm I kidding. Actually, these are, these are not from Local Oak. I would not I, steal I was about them. to say, I don't, th- I don't see that. No, I got them from a, a, <laughs> from a brewery tour. They're from Oak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a brewery tour, and they like handed them out as part of the tour. It was really cool. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, so what I like about this beer, and you compared it to the the barley wine we just had, while they're similar strong ales that have you know high ABV and it's like a malt forward beer that doesn't really try to showcase the the hop character. It's all about malt and actually with the barley wine a little bit of the yeast too because it's a little bit estery. But um, they're very different while maintaining some like they're I don't know they're, they're almost like cousins to me as far as like beer styles <laughs> if if that's even a thing. Just because you you kind of go from a similar like re- like makeup as far as their their recipe, but then in, you're swapping out you're swapping out the hot or uh, you're swapping out the malt. You get that you know that kind of traditional uh, like roasty char malt for a stout, whereas from the perspective of barley wine, you're going for something that's not roasty. It's meant to be malt forward, but not like overbearing, not overly roasty and like charred. And I think it, it gives them the opportunity to have like two different uh, like presences in the beer world. Like one of them is like, Hey, this is goes great with the dessert. Cause it's like a coffee chocolatey, like almost sweet, slightly bitter stout. You got one that's like, this is like a port wine I could drink at, you know, around the fire, just yeah. like sipping on, um, both, you know, high gravity, just viscous, chewy. And it's just, you know, there's really, really in the grand scheme of things, small moderate or modifications to these styles. And you end up with like totally different products, which is oh yeah fascinating with beer to me is that they're not I don't say genetically, but like they're not that different at the at the core of their makeup, but some minor modifications to how much char you have in the malt, what kind of malt you're using, mm-hmm. and then you just end up with like different products that have the similar end goal of being like high gravity, high ABV malt forward. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's the thing, like, you, so you have the Ryan Heitzkubot, which limited what ingredients you can use, and, you know, from what I talked about earlier, <laughs> limits that, and you can only use the barley and the hops and the water, and then yeast, too, but you can get so much variation by just altering those yeah. three things. It's just crazy. To the point now that the BJCP recognizes, what, it's like close to 40 different entry styles, I think. Yeah. So, and that's across loggers and ales, but still. Still, it's quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Do you have anything else for Imperial Stouts for us, Lauren? No, I think we, we covered major gists. Major gists. Yep. So, <laughs> enjoy yourself an Imperial Stout on game day. Great tailgating beer. <laughs> um, highly enjoyed. Thank you. Yeah. Your results may vary. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Results may vary. 
Well, I guess with that, we've come to the point. What, what did you guys learn today? I learned, even though some of us <clears throat> you already knew, I just thought it was so cool that this was named because of the Imperials from Russia. Like they, they <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was super cool. We have a little more, too, if anybody yeah, wants I'll take one. a little splash. What'd you learn today, Nick? Um, you know, for, from my own perspective, I learned a little bit about some English brewing techniques. I typically think of the like traditional brewing techniques to come from Germany, uh, maybe like Belgium, but I wouldn't think of England being sort of prominent in the in the role of creating techniques that are, are still used today. And so the whole wart splitting idea was was new to me. And the fact that it's still actually a, a pretty viable option is really cool. But also, you know, I learned a little bit about your your Dunkel uh, conversation. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest. I totally guessed that Dunkel meant dark. <laughs> I was going off of just context clues alone. Perfect. But it's, it's great because, like, you have, like, a Dunkel lager, a Dunkel Weizen. It, it makes total sense that, you know, the style can be just as simple as, I guess, etymology comes down to it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not the study of insects. Not, not <laughs> entomology. <laughs> entomology. Uh, I, I learned that I like Dunkles quite a bit, and I'm going to search out Dunkles before. Mm-hmm. And not like just because it's, you know, similar to my, my good friend, yeah. Nick Duncan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Dunkel. Nick Dunkel. You should get your name changed <laughs> legally. I wonder how much work and how much money that costs. That's what I'm going to change you my name. You named yourself Nick Dunkel? Instead of Lauren Davis, it'll be Lauren Lauren Dunkel. Lauren Dunkel. Interesting choice. <laughs> I like it. Then you could be Uncle Dunkel. Lauren Imperial Stout. Yes. Lauren Imperial Stout. Oh gosh. Yes. Yes, Queen. Yes, Queen. Well, I guess that wraps us up for episode number forty-one of Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. If you want to engage with us, check us out on social media at Instagram and East Carolina Beer on. Facebook, East Carolina Beer and Brewing, Twitter at East Beer, and drop us a line on our Gmail at East Carolina Beer at gmail.com. Click like, subscribe. And don't forget about our website too. If you want to read some blog posts, EastCarolinaBeer.com. All of our podcast episodes can be accessed there as well. Lauren looks like she wants to really interject, but she is not. Well, that being said, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.